This is Allison for Core77's Core Talk. For the next few weeks, we're sitting down with different jury captains in the Core77 Design Awards to hear their sound design advice. Today we welcome Ian Ferguson and Martin Posler, the two principals behind the design firm Posler Ferguson. Posler Ferguson works on a number of different products, packaging, and strategy projects for clients such as MIT, BBC Worldwide, the Victorian Albert Museum, among many others. The products they design range from technological, like speakers and air purifiers, to inventive homewares like the Steckler Shoe Stacking System. They also design some really fun toy projects. This year, Posler Ferguson will be judging the Design Awards Consumer Products category. So we'll talk to them about what they're hoping to see in the submissions this year, as well as a rundown of their seasoned experience in the realm of consumer products. Hi, Martin and Ian, thanks so much for talking with me today. First of all, can you kind of give me a rundown on um, what Postler Ferguson does and your clients and yeah, what you do on a daily basis? Sure. Um, we're a London-based design consultancy with, with a new office in Hamburg recently. Um, and we mostly do uh, product design uh, for, for, for clients, um, including lots of different electronics manufacturers and clients in the States and in Asia and Europe. Um, and we also have a side business called Papa Foxtrot, which makes uh, wood toys and uh, some plastic shoe hangers that lets you hang your shoes on the wall called the Steckler. Yeah, so on that note, you work on a lot of really diverse products. For example, the Steckler shoe mounts and uh, conceptual future gazing products like personal space. I'm mm -hmm. curious what your favorite types of projects to work on are. Oh man, whichever one I'm working on that day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, yeah. it kind of depends a bit on on um, logistics of the whole thing. You know, sometimes if you have time, you can work on curated things, uh, self-initiated projects, like for some, like the Steckler, or mostly is self-invested. So that's you know that's that's the stuff we're kind of funding ourselves, um, which we can do you know, what we can afford it when we have time. Of course, I like to work, you know, with any sorts of clients, like any anything that's that's mostly takes a bit longer than like, you know, a week or two, something that we can build up a relationship that, you know, we can go together a longer way than just like, you know, a one-off shot and then, and then we're gone. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think the clients are really important, even in the more conceptual projects. Um, it, they're always the most rewarding when when the gallery or the curator, whoever is organizing it, is, is someone that's quite engaged, and you can really have a dialogue with them and and work from there. Interesting. So you work with a lot of large corporate clients as well as, um, as you're saying, maybe smaller, smaller clients. So what are some of the most exciting aspects of working with larger or smaller clients? I'm also curious what. The challenges are between the two. Hmm. <laughs> can I can I start with the small ones? <laughs> well, I mean, I think for for the you know the so-called small ones, we've been working with a couple of you know kind of Kickstarter funded or you know kind of startup companies that are 
that are obviously small because they're just starting off. But I think the most interesting thing is that they might not be that small anymore in a you know in a couple of years. So it's a, it's, it's always a, a good amount of like time and trust in a way that that you know you do your best and you're part of that of that starting starting momentum. And if you do well, there's a good chance that they might actually succeed. And, and and you've been there from the very beginning, and you know it's quite an exciting exciting thing. Um, yeah, and you want to chip in on the for the big clients? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> a lot of the same things apply. You know, actually, it's it's um, you know getting in there and, and trying to build a relationship is always kind of the essence of it. I mean, I think you know you just have a total difference of. Um, put it kind of you know the, the the sort of chain of command you know when you work with uh with a small startup client you're right in there in the room people are making decisions and maybe no one has maybe the the experience level is not as as high or like the safety net is not so high so so everything is kind of quite intense but exciting and with um with a larger client you know there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scene usually that, that you're not entirely privy to and you have to sort of you have to understand that and take it on board and respect it and 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 build a good relationship with the people that that you're working with on a day-to-day -day thing and kind of yeah really understanding that like your your audience you know is not always necessarily the final user you know there's there's you have lots and lots of different clients the whole way through you know from from the guy who's making it to the guy who has to approve it to the guy who buys it working with clients to achieve a mutual goal is probably one of the most important parts of designing consumer products i also have heard in the past that designers have issues sometimes presenting riskier projects to clients so i'm curious how do you go about striking a balance between staying creative while also meeting the client's needs? Well, I think it's kind of on us to be creative, you know? I mean, that's that's not their job, you know? Their, their job is to launch a product successfully and get it going, and so it's it's up to us to to make good arguments um, for, for creativity and also to not confuse, like, creativity with just doing what I want, which is not... Oh, it's the same thing. Um, I mean, yeah, there, there are certainly times where you can be frustrated and, and, and realize you have to do something. But in general, I find that makes me better. Like I have to f actually discuss why we should do something and really understand the person who, who I'm trying to convince, which is kind of in the end, that's really my job. Yeah, I mean, you also have always, you know, they hire you for a reason and not like, you know, you in particular. And I, I, th I think when you come from stage where you've been maybe pushed the boundaries a bit before you know there's always this kind of what goes around you know, what comes around goes around so they, they kind of get you in for that kind of work that you've done let's say five years ago uh, that that's normally the stuff when you start your career is a bit more risky because you have nothing to lose so ideally this is this is the this is where you start from and so you always have a bit of a bit of leeway I, I guess, and then of course you have to, you know, adjust and and, and, and work. But I mean, I think Ian, Ian is right. I think we, we really, we really believe that that almost like the more boundaries you have, the better you have to be to kind of really make a difference. Mm. Yeah, I think I think what Martin said is good. It kind of also goes back to kind of maybe your first question about the difference between our more experimental and our and our client projects. You know, that we view the two as 
you know, you try and make a decent base so that when people come to you, they know what they're looking for, and you have something, and you have some knowledge of what you're what you're talking about. Because um, in the end, the the goal is to get stuff out there in the world, like not to to do exactly what I want, but to actually have something that that goes through that happens that that kind of completes. On another note, I'm interested to hear how you to conduct research for different projects. Is it a lot of market research, talking with consumers? You know, we've met very few clients who who have that kind of budget and time, actually. Mm -hmm. And I think generally um, clients that are, are very interested in research usually come to you with the research already mm -hmm. to some extent. or. Right. Or the research has to happen on your feet, you know. I think we, for the most part, we try to we try to talk about things that we know mm -hmm. that makes sense, so that, that the research is also what comes from our practice. I mean, in some ways, things like Papa Foxtrot and Steckler are a sort of living research for us, and that it means we we have to kind of sit on the other side of the, the fence, if you know what I mean. On on those projects, we're the guys who have to figure out why is the packaging delayed by two weeks and and we're the ones who have to know that oh no the price of plastic just went up by 20 cents per kilo in china so th there's a certain kind of level of of understanding of what clients face that happens on that side which is which is a kind of research for us so that we're able to kind of give them a better a better service because we know actually the kind of problems that they're going to care about a question we like to ask the judges of consumer products is in the landscape of product design right now, there are of course those low tech products, but there's also um, a lot of technology infused products. So I'm curious what steps you think designers can take to ensure these products especially will remain relevant over time? Uh, I mean, I think from, from a technology point of view, there isn't much you can do, you know. I think I think technology can revolutionize within. I don't know. I think it's like I think those cycles are getting you know faster and faster, and and I think that's it's also part of what the standards are. You know, you don't know how long Bluetooth is gonna live. You don't know how long USB is gonna live. All those kind of things. But I mean, in in general, in this kind of world, I think if you make sure that just the, the, the product itself has the best quality possible. It doesn't matter if it's a high, if it's a, you know, expensive material, it's an expensive um, process to make. Even if it's plastics and silicon, you can still do it right and you can do it wrong. And I think it's, you know, I think this is really what we are, what we're paid for as well. Of course, the, the design is one part, but then the design really close to how it's made makes, makes a huge difference and actually also gives you a bit more um, I'm gonna say a bit more weight in the development process. You know, people, engineers will actually talk to you. The manufacturer will actually talk to you if you if you if you if you're good. If you if you mean it, and if you have, if you've put thought in, into it, and not just you know did it, pass it on, and say okay, this is the rest is your problem. You know, because I think then people would do decisions for you that you don't want to that you don't want to have, and then products normally don't have that kind of quality. But I think quality is. Yeah, is what you can do. I think the technology part of it is, um, you know, it's uh, it's part of a cycle that you can't really control that much, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, I mean, most things don't actually change. You know, I still have five fingers and a feet and a head and ears. Like, people are people, 
and technology keeps going, but as long as you make stuff that really works for people, then you got a good chance of, if maybe not that specific product sticking around, but the company sticking around or the client sticking around or you sticking around. Absolutely. Yeah. The design goal is always the same. Just make, whether there's technology or not, just make it accessible to the yeah. consumer. Yeah. Yeah, um, and they and they that they love it and have it around. You know, I think if they if you build a relationship to a, to like an artifact, you're quite likely to keep it around, even if it's if it's if it's low tech or if it's you know if it's like a whatever like a like a radio clock or something, you might actually still use it, even if you can use your phone to wake you up. But if you like it, it's, it stays around. That's mostly to the way it's done and that it's still in one piece and it's still the gear still works and so forth. Definitely. Um, lastly, I'm curious to hear, as the Core 77 Design Awards Consumer Product Judges, what are you hoping to see? Um, what will you be looking for in submissions? Uh, I think what I would really like to see is to is for designers to look at, you know, kind of to define a way they want the future to be through the projects or products or designs that they make. I think, especially when it comes to, I think um, there, there might be a couple of Kickstarter projects or there might be a couple of things that are maybe unorthodox or come from, like, don't come from like the, the big brands, but like from like new founded brands and so forth. And what you do there is really something that could actually change a lot. So it's not like the common sense, here's another phone, here's another, you know, another thing, another thing, but it's like actually new stuff that might actually change the whole landscape of consumer products and kind of gives it gives us that kind of example mm. that we want to see in the future you know that makes a good difference which is essentially a bit a bit less stuff right. yeah yeah exactly i think and 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 to kind of go along with that looking at looking for i think kind of well-rounded approaches you know people that aren't necessarily chasing chasing a trend or chasing anything in particular but they have a strong opinion like martin said about what the future should be and about what today should be like and then you can see that that opinion comes through and and works successfully with with their clients goals you know that that someone who, who manages to satisfy both would be what i'd be looking for it'd be no. great to see also that actually companies spend money on design you know, I think I think yeah. time spent and then hence money spent on the development of a product is not unfortunately not very much common sense these days. So, and that's something you can clearly see in a in a, in a product. Obviously, the more time spent, the higher the quality of the design gets, the better the product. You know, more success. So I think that'd be fantastic to see to see that kind of quality actually. Yeah, I hope to see the same. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. It's been great to talk with you. Thank you so much. <laughs>